0: Today on Unleashed Cast, another great crossover event where we take an interview from the Chad and Cheese podcast. This one was recorded at Unleash America back in May in Las Vegas, and they spoke to the CHRO of Work Human. Steve Pemberton is someone who grew up in modest surroundings. He became an award-winning author. The award-winning book that he wrote was subsequently optioned for a film. If that wasn't enough, he then became CHRO of Work Human. A man with an incredible life story, so unsurprisingly, he's a great raconteur. This is a conversation... Which you do not want to miss. Thanks to both the hosts of the Chad and Cheese podcast for letting me publish this one. Head over to their page, chadcheese.com, for more amazing interviews of this ilk. But for now, here's Chad and Cheese talking to Steve. Behind Enjoy. Uh, so, uh, 30 seconds or less, I walk across my college graduation stage. Uh, nobody's there. Yeah, no family, nobody. And I'm like, why the hell is this? Where's my mother, father? I go looking for them uh-huh. and I find them. Uh, find siblings, find um, this case file that's uh, almost 300 pages long and in that case file was a prediction from a social worker who said that I was not going to have a chance in the world. So I titled that the book that I wrote for my children. That book became a bestseller, became a movie, uh, became a curriculum that's taught in American schools. Uh, none of that I was trying to do. Yep. And what's the movie called again? For a our chance, in the, chance as well. in the
1: world. A chance in the world. A chance in the world. So, why get? You've got a great. You've got a great story, right? Why hmm. get in? Why get into HR? Because that's what HR is about. Yeah, it's well, about, tell me about that. It's about then. people's
0: stories. Yeah? I mean, I've always been fascinated. Well, because of my own journey, like uh-huh. I've, I've always been fascinated by systems and people. Uh huh. Uh, And in part because both systems and people failed me. Yes. So how do systems and people that drive them, how do those two worlds intersect? And HR is probably the single best place to do that because every day you wake up trying to figure out whether you're dealing with payroll or they're dealing with advancing people. You're always wrestling with how systems enable people and how those people enable systems. So
1: how hard is it to actually get the systems to work right? I mean, we're talking about one company right now, right? yeah how how hard is it to get it just within your own organization to get those to run right we're talking about equity talking about transparency we're talking about systems that have been broken forever now we've got technology that should make this easier but for some reason Mm. for decades it has not happened so for you a leader Mm. or just one company and we'll talk about clients or anything just yet how do you how do you harness this how do you actually fix this
0: well change has been going on since the beginning of time right if it yeah. hadn't you know we'd be running around with with clubs chasing dinosaurs change has always happened that's what joel does on the weekends by the way uh yeah <laughs> i'm gonna leave that alone leave joel alone <laughs> but what's different for us the pace of change uh-huh which is why i think it's so hard because the minute that you think you have that system teed up then there's could be a new federal regulation that comes down right something could happen around pay equity and so now you got to revamp your systems all over again, we have a tendency to think that I've done that and I can move on. And then something else emerges and now you've got to go back and it really frustrates people. Right. right. And we, we're going to have to accept the fact that change is happening so quickly. It's just going to be a norm and you're going to have to be constantly and relentlessly updating. And then I think the other, which is the subject of the panel, is how are those same systems enabling... These softer or the, these perceptibly softer things like culture, yes like skills, yeah. and I think technology is might be our last best shot because as human beings, we keep getting this wrong. I mean look at the broader society right look, look at what's happened yeah uh, last forty eight hours uh, last two weeks yeah uh, where, where do you turn? Where are the places you turn, and what are the tools you turn to, to try and find some semblance of humanity
2: yeah. Yeah, I want to touch on uh, your employer, Workhuman. Yes, and your your background. You've worked in a lot of big organizations. Yeah, like, I heard Walgreens yeah. and some others. So, what was it about Workhuman, an HR company, yeah. that appealed to you? And, and uh, that yeah. seems like an interesting dynamic to be
0: an HR head in
2: an HR related company. Yeah, talk about that. That,
0: Joe, that to me is the cool part because one, the threshold is higher when you run HR for a company that sells into HR, you had better be damn good. Uh Because you have to have the credibility to walk into any prospect or any customer and say, so here is how I leverage in our case, here's how I leverage our recognition platform. So you, and I like that, I like the challenge of it, was I tell my team all the time, we have to be what we sell. And there's no greater credibility you have than to say, here is how we're leveraging and utilizing it. I also think my own career path, I was, Part of an organization in Walgreens, like 90% brand recognition, 250,000 people, and it became yeah, it's kind uh, of a
2: big deal. Big Walgreens. deal, but yeah.
0: that was one of the problems. it's just too damn big, really. And you're dealing with a very complex industry that's healthcare. Yeah. So I wanted to do something that was faster moving and that was advancing a broader societal mission. Now I'd argue that healthcare is doing that too because without health everything else is just a conversation. Yeah. But to know you wake up every day seeing how a recognition moment changes somebody's life really spoke to me at a point in my career where I could kind of look around the landscape and say, all right, I'm gonna be fine, i have a job. Like what do I want to yeah. do? And, uh, and to choose a, a company that was rapidly rising was i needed to feel alive again it felt like that like you need to be like alive again
1: now do you feel since you're working for a tech company that you can actually scale what your belief is what what you know to do through that organization
0: well in in my world you had better because if not especially because of the pandemic people are going to walk out on you Mm -hmm. i think i i think that's a dynamic that's changed it's not about work life anymore it's about life at work. Yeah. Because, you know, we're sitting on screens and, you know, you've got babies on laps and cats walking across the desk. I yeah. mean, you, you saw windows, literally windows into people's lives. Yeah. And if you're not using technology to scale those human interactions, then those people are going to say, hey, you know, I like Joe. Joe's a great dude and I like the company, but I want to go someplace where I'm awakened again and I'm doing something mm-hmm. to broaden the world. That can't happen if you're just having these kind of one off conversations, which are nice and they're cool, but you want to know that you're scaling that. And the last thing I'd say, and certainly this is true in the pandemic, I mean, people are hurting. I mean, you, you see this, what happened in Buffalo, what happened in Uvalde. Yeah. You know, our employees aren't walking into work human and they're turning that off. They're not turning that off. They, they want can't. a place to talk about it. Yeah. Even if they don't know what to say so we have a parents at work human slack channel and that just lit up yesterday people didn't know where to go they didn't know who to talk about they were using this technology platform just to have a conversation because we're a company made up predominantly of people who are parents of young children so they're dropping their child off at the at the bus Mm -hmm. and and holding on to their hand longer one uh my vp of hr said drop my uh, daughter off at school police presence there Police yeah. president
1: wasn't there yesterday. Yeah.
0: How are you having those conversations? Yeah. What, what are you talking Active about? Active
1: shooter drills are happening, and your kids are talking about it coming home. Yeah. 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 Very different. Very different. So we talk every week about the remote work
2: question. Yeah. And yeah. some companies are get your ass back to the office, some yep. are never come back again, others are, are hybrid. What was the internal discussion like at Work Human in regards to what you were going to do after the pandemic?
0: I mean, generally speaking, Joe, nobody knows. I mean, they they can say they know. The reality is that you don't know until you put it into practice. That's the reality of where Uh you are. Uh Uh, And so I see all the, you know, the influences and talking heads say do X, Y, or Z. I'm like, yeah, okay. That's bovine scatology. You know what that is? That's right. (laughs) You don't know. You don't know. So for us, here's what we did. We went through these cycles. I think every company's doing. Um, And you're you're reading articles, and Uh and you know what we did that really changed the dynamic. We went to our people, and we said, rather than us throwing policies and practices down around remote working, tell me what it is you're looking for. And here's what came back to us: we were looking for fun. We're looking for fitness, we're looking for food, and we're looking for some sense of family. So that's how I talk about it internally yeah. to force. But that's us, right? And that's what we're that's what we're looking for. And then the other I think is it's a critical factor is how people are being productive and efficient in their way and by function. So you're in sales, I'm in marketing, you're in IT. Our industries are working very differently. Good luck going to your, your CIO, your CTO, and saying your people have to be in the office five days a week. Oh, yeah. She's going to say, well, I'm going to lose 25 30% of my workforce if you force that. On the other hand, marketing, you might say... I've gotta have them in at least two to three days. Somebody else in fulfillment might say, well, I can't fulfill things if they're not physically in the space. Yeah. And I think that's the shift that has to happen. Start looking at this one by asking your people what they're looking for and then put a functional lens over. And lastly, you have to drive a message. Not everybody's
1: gonna be working exactly the same way. And you're gonna to have to accept that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we never have. I mean, seriously. Fair I mean, we, we really never have. Fair I think we're now starting to see how much different we all are. The, the question is, and, and we've heard some companies and some vendors talking about being able to provide amazing amounts of flexibility to their workers. Mm-hmm. So from the standpoint of, if I can work from home five days a week, I'll give up X, Y, or Z. Yes. Some day, a little bit of pay, a little bit of yep. this, a little bit of that, yep. some time off, whatever it is, yep. right? Um, do you think that that is something that a company can actually manage? And then if if they mm. can, how do you take a look at the, the equity conversation there? Mm. Because because the the individual, the employee is picking this, right? Yes. And it's a much harder to take yeah. a look at what equity actually means.
0: Mm. Yeah. And how do you not wind up with two different kinds of companies as a result? Yeah. One yeah. that's remote and one that's... Uh, well, I, I think the, the fulcrum is really the, the, the people leaders in that company specifically. They're the ones who are going to have to develop new management muscle uh-huh. to deal with that, those changing realities. Otherwise, if you you could have silos and legal wants to run it one way and finance wants to run it another. And uh-huh. that's how you wind up with these inequities. Uh, and, and I so I think training people leaders, when I get on bi-weekly calls with our people leaders, it's like every other week, every Wednesday morning, I'm on with them. Yeah. And we're walking through all these things. Why? Because it's still unfolding. We're still processing. We're still communicating. But I'm really clear in telling them, you are going to have to manage your workforce differently than you have in the past. And we'll bring outside agencies. We'll step through training, whatever's required. Uh-huh. But... For me, and our executive team has this expectation you're just gonna get it without that. I think you wind up with disparate processes and that's where the inequities come from. And so people just start exiting on you. Yeah. So
2: speaking of inequities, I don't know if you saw our our keynote with um, the commissioner of the EEOC yesterday, but we talked extensively about AI and hiring and how Mm. there are uh, biased decisions being made through AI. Um, Curious. Are you, are you sort of a sounding board for the products being made at WorkHuman? And what kind of traps do you see companies falling into with sort of leaning on AI and, mm. and sort of the trap doors to look for when bias does come into play, whether yeah. it's intentional or not? That's a good one.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, because you still have, no matter what you do, you're still going to have human beings who are be- behind the AI in some way, shape, or form, determining algorithms, right? Yeah. Architecting language, Big training data, all, all of that. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think focusing on technology to preempt bias specifically is is where I, I think the next evolution should go. Because right now, all of the tools that like chief diversity officers have, CHROs have, guys the damage has already been done. It's already been done. If you're doing an adverse impact analysis, for example, after you've had a a reduction in workforce, uh, or you're dealing with a class action lawsuit from EEOC, damage has already been done. You already have a reputation out there. So I think leveraging AI specifically as you're going through performance reviews, as you're in our world, a recognition moment. Hey, Joel, did you really mean to use this language in recognizing a woman for performance, you may not even be aware of it. My wife and daughter often remind me I'm not the feminist I think I am yes. right i didn't know, but if it gets if that mirror gets held up to me while it's happening, not after the fact, not after she's already left, not after she's already been offended, mm. I think you can create a very different kind of, of language what now the, the challenge, I think is shifting a lot of the D, E, and I practitioners, shifting their mindset. We're not dealing in broader society today. You're not dealing with unconscious bias. A lot of the shit I see has conscious bias. Yeah, we're beyond unconscious. Yeah, this is not a matter of you don't know better, Me Too movement. You know exactly what the hell you were doing. So you're getting enabled. You still, no matter what AI is built, you're still going to need people to make moral, ethical decisions when those behaviors emerge. On the hiring front, I do think, though, is where you've seen advancements, specifically. So that you're dealing with issues of names and how names are used in the search process. Are we being equitable and fair, and do we have corrective practices? Coming from a former chief diversity officer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel, so
1: let's talk about yeah. chief diversity officers. So many are out there, and they're put on an island. They don't, oh, have, yeah. they don't have funding, they don't have staff, they don't have any means of actually making real impact, really, they're just a figurehead that's there. Yeah. And we've seen that for years. Mm-hmm. Have you seen changes? And where are, if, we, if you have, where mm-hmm. did those changes start? Did they start in the C-suite, did it start grassroots, or do you think it just hasn't changed? I don't, I don't think you've seen the seismic change
0: that's required to reflect the times. Uh-huh. I'll answer it that way. Uh-huh. Remember, the origins of the role of the CDO came uh, from the early to mid-90s when companies found themselves in courtrooms getting sued for millions and millions of dollars. Uh And so, you know, those boards went back and they said, uh, well, we got to stay out of courtroom. We got to stay out of the news. So we're going to hire somebody. Yeah. And that person's sole job and responsibility is to make sure we don't wind up in the courtroom again. So think what that anchor is. that compliance. Yeah, exactly what it was. Yeah in uh, quasi-PR, which is how you wind up with a single individual, no budget, uh, and a lot of external facing optics kind of things. Right. Well, when was the last time in any part of any organization that you said anything was of significance and value, you put one person on it with no budget? Nowhere. So you're sending a message already about its value and importance. Now, what's changed though is demography. And that's always the disconnect for me. Mm-hmm. So how knowing that your customer bases are changing, who you're serving is changing, like how can you continue to go down this path of the CDO in a role by themselves? Kind of like an ice cream cone, no ice cream in it, basically. Yeah, yeah. So for a lot of companies though, and especially George Floyd, which is where I think you saw this real paradigm shift. Yes. So since uh, May of 2020, which is when uh, George Floyd was murdered, companies have dedicated $66 billion to eliminating disparities in transportation, in housing. So that was a real paradigm shift. The business roundtable, made up of 181 CEOs, said, You know, we have a broader societal responsibility because prior to that they came from that Milton Friedman school of thought, which was, and hey, we don't have any responsibility other than generating a profit. Yeah. Drucker comes along a little bit later and says, No, you have a broader responsibility here. So when the business round table says, actually you're right, it's why you see Apple investing in homelessness. It's why when we were at work human in Atlanta last year, we had our recognition moments and all the recognition moments that came through went to three charities in the Atlanta area. In other words, we're saying as businesses, we're not gonna leave this you government because by and large our politics are not in a place where they seemingly can solve the challenges of our time. Yeah. So we have this quiet covenant, I think that's happening amongst businesses saying, we'll take it on. We're going to get together because we have a fiduciary responsibility to shareholders, to society. We have performance metrics. We have urgency because we, we're held to the public markets. And you're going to see more and more companies who are going to form partnerships like Bank of America does with Morehouse College and Spelman College in Atlanta, Uh, HBCU saying we're going to start centers for entrepreneurship. We're going to be focused on women in STEM disciplines. So that's why I have hope, despite the fact I think some things have not changed. It's looking more and more like we're headed into a recession. And in typical
2: recessions, the rule book kind of gets thrown out. We batten down the hatches and we survive Mm. the storm. What's your take on these DEI issues in regards to the economy in a downturn? What happens when that happens? And then when we come out of it, Mm-hmm. what's your view on what DEI looks like? Is it stronger after the, the storm, or do we go back to more status quo?
0: Well, typically, uh, the recession around those matters is always meant a retraction. You know, when you perceive DEI as a nice thing to do in cost-cutting time, just the first thing to go. Because it's an optic in some cases, candidly, uh-huh. or a kind of a nice to have. Yeah. Uh, but again, who's your customer base? Who are you serving? Who's your employee base? I can I'm sure it's happened to both of you as well. I can't tell you a number of times. Probably most recently a couple of weeks ago, from New England, live in Chicago. Big Dunkin' Donuts. That's my. That's my deal. Donkeys. Yes. <laughs> Man, I, I go to a Dunkin' Donuts like five o'clock to grab a cup of coffee. Sign. We don't have staff here. Yeah. We Don't have staff here. Yeah. Right. So this idea somehow that we can just kind of get through a recession and then we'll be able to i don't i don't think that's we had better plan for it accordingly i will say though that the pandemic would have led you to believe that too right because okay you we're all in this moment this first six weeks are we going to be around are we going to be relevant yeah I mean, imagine the hotel industry airlines industry we know we know what they went through I do think it requires from the early onset to see a point you can kind of, you can see you can see the tide starting to go out vis-a-vis a recession, mm-hmm. so you have to make a beeline literally to your employee population, to your customer base, and you have to have a very active plan. I'm not referring to kind of corporate social responsibility, what's your retention plan, who's going to be staffing any parts of your organization. It's going to require that new that new leadership muscle. It's just not true about managing people through. A pandemic so also managing through recessions and it just seems like every, every damn week man is just something else coming yes something yeah. else coming yeah. you know the other thing i would point out is that the pandemic really magnified this hrs you know it's always a battle to prove your relevance to have a seat at the table yeah yeah like why are you relevant yeah and yeah. i would say the pandemic now i kind of walk around with my chest pumped up puffed up around work human and generally uh-huh. you know why We don't have anything to prove anymore because the responsibility for getting an organization through the pandemic fell on HR. Just like the last recession, that was the test of the CFO. We were the ones who had to get people home if they were at a conference and you got a shelter in place order. We were the ones who said, let's get you the equipment so you can keep doing your job. We were the ones who created programming when mental health began to raise its head. We were the ones designing vaccine uh, and safety protocols when came back to the office. We're the ones designing hybrid ways of the working. Essential workers that are out yes. there, man. And yes. they were
1: finally titled essential workers, and those people yeah. lifted up, their chest came out, because yes. they knew that nothing happened without them. We saw a supply chain yes. go down. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We got to have a little bit
0: more swag in HR, Yeah, to be honest. We do, we yeah. do.
1: Okay, so last question, Steve. We're back. We're live. Yeah. We're here. How does it? How does it feel, man?
0: Great. Yeah. I mean, I love technology. I, I'm a first adopter in just about damn near anything. <laughs> uh, and the three of us could be on a screen, uh, but you know, I, I can, you know, we can have a conversation since we're all bearded here. You know, <laughs> I mean, just stuff that we can talk about, laugh about, yeah. connect. Even though we're just meeting for the first time, technology can't replace that. Right. So that 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 feels great. And I also think the 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 pandemic robbed us of community yeah it really did i mean you just isolated you're alone and it's just something about laughing smiling having a drink um catching up with or your two, colleagues or three drinks <laughs> or, 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 or depending on what's unfolding <laughs> yeah. four or five in vegas yeah. we, we need that we, we need do.
2: that i'll let i'll let you out on this um you're obviously a thoughtful guy what are, what's on your reading list this summer ah. uh, what are you watching uh what you know what
0: What's filling your brain this yeah. summer? Yeah, so I'm going to answer that probably differently. Um, so I, I I am a voracious, relentless reader. Uh, I am an author. I am actually uh, writing my next book. So... My time is usually spent reading. I'm writing my next one. Nice. i um, trying to find the time to do that, getting the headspace to do it. Yep. Uh, love the written word. Um, this one has always been a bit of a project. You know, one of that wish list things that yeah. I have just said, you know, yeah. I'm going to really sit down and do this this time around. Uh-huh. Um, get a cabin in the woods and knock it yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you got to be in a space to write. You know, you got to be in a space, I think, to read as well and absorb kind of what you're... The last one I wrote, act- uh, the last one I read was The Song of Achilles. It's a great, great book. Revisits the story of Achilles, uh-huh. but in a very, very different way, uh, which I'd recommend everybody take a gander kind of like at. of
1: revisionist, uh, almost Malcolm Gladwell yes, style? Yeah yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Revisiting
0: um, and basically imagining Achilles still being the hero that he was, uh-huh. but understanding his journey in a very, very different way. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's a, a real a powerful narrative in there about DE&I. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Pretty Steve
1: cool. Pemberton, everybody. Steve, thank you so much thank for you. taking time, man. Yeah. Uh, if people want to connect with you or find out more about what you're doing, where where would you actually e- send them? E-
0: yeah, go to uh, workhuman.com. Uh, you can find me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, I like catching up with folks and Excellent. hearing what they're up to. Uh, uh, you, you learn a lot from uh, engaging and interacting when people hear what's on their, on their minds, too. So easy to find on any of the social media platforms. Amen. Good hanging out with you guys, too, man. Absolutely. You too, yeah. man. Thank great you, Steve. See you.
2: This was great. Yeah. Chad, another one is in the can. We, we out. <laughs>